Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to the Run to Daylight Football Funcast with your host, Todd Burroughs. installment of the Run to Daylight podcast for Fanball. I'm your host, Todd Burrows. Uh, got some great guests tonight. I got Bob Harris at Football Die Hard. Bob is the senior editor at Football Die Hard, also serious XM Fantasy host. We also have his co-host joining us today, and that's Mike Dempsey. You can find him at MD underscore 1010 XL. And I'm sure there's a real good story as to what that means, but for me, I've got no friggin' clue. Uh, we'll get to that, though. We'll get to it. Mike is the host of Jaguars Today and Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. on, ah, there we go, 1010XL. Boy, sometimes things just work out, don't they? Game Day co-host on Jaguars Radio Network and the co-host of Football Diehards with Bob on Sirius XM each weekend or pretty much every weekend. Guys, welcome to the show. Thanks, Todd. Thank you, Todd. Um, who are the good guests? You said you had good guests on. We <laughs> thought we would get some. Oh, hold on. Let me look behind me. Oh, oh, I guess I was talking about you guys. And, and we're doing the podcast for Fanball. Uh, Fanball, there's more states, there's more options, and there's more fun. Um, I've been doing these podcasts and the article each week. This week's article is on how to find ADP crushers, and that is a topic I know is uh, really close to both your heart, and um, you guys are pretty big best ball guys. Mike, what are you up to, like uh, 370 drafts so far? No, I played 100 of them last year. Last year was the first time I played them. I played 100. I ended up winning 13, coming in second and 17. So, you, you know, the goal is typically to finish in the top two. And so I had a pretty good success rate, I thought, for the first year at 30%. So far here on May 14th, I've either completed or started 95 drafts. <laughs> so I think I'm going to top my record from last year, Todd. Yeah, so you, 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 my friend, have the addiction. Bob, what do you got to yeah, say? Yeah, that band rolling up to his door is the intervention squad I sent his way. Um, I'm in much few, many fewer. Uh, I like to play in one or two at a time, uh, and I like to mostly wait until after the NFL draft. I, you know, dabble a little bit. But Dempsey probably had 50 or 60 done before the draft even started. So, and there's nothing wrong with that. Not that it's a problem. It's just he started. He he jumped right in. Well, there's a lot of I I I've always found that I've done better, and I did 149 last year. So it looks like Dempsey's on his way to crushing my record, and I just got a new job, so I am going to be cutting back, it looks like. Um, and speaking of cutting back, Bob, two at a time, I mean, that that's kind of like, like the pace of a walker. 
I know it is. It's true. I but it's magazine piece, and I have to pay attention to my work a little bit, and you know, you that kind of thing. I'm just I'm just kidding, obviously. It's so true. how long have uh, Bob? Um, you know, how long have you guys worked together? I mean, you you, you had me on twice so far. Uh, one of the highlights of my young career, and having you guys come back and do the pod also just uh, it's it's a great opportunity, and I. Really glad you guys came, but how long have you two been working together? Well, I hope you'll have us on many more times as we stumble through this thing, um, and we'll do the same with you. Um, it, it's been quite a while. When was it, Mike? Early in this century? Uh, Early 2000. Well, let me tell a quick little story to Todd, Bob, if, if I could. Uh, you know, Please. B- b- let me get Bob my hot chocolate warmed up. <laughs> we we uh, I used to do an afternoon drive show and now do uh, mid mornings in Jacksonville, Florida. And I wanted to have a fantasy football component on the show. And Bob at the time worked at FootballGuys.com, and so we reached out at the time. You know, Joe Bryan, David Dodds were running the the ship there. And I got a hold of David and I asked him if he'd be willing to come on as a weekly guest, and he was. And so, you know, it was fine. And we do it every Friday. And one day he gets sick, and they give us a fill in by the name of Bob Harris, and. Then our issue became, because our chemistry was so good, how do we break it to David that we want the fill-in guy <laughs> again? Right, and so I'd worked with Bob for a few years, and when I got an opportunity to come to Sirius XM uh, to do a show with Maurice Jones-Drew when the station was first starting up, uh, the head of, of overall operations, Steve Cohen, who runs all the sports stations, calls me up one day says, hey, I've been listening to your show. Maurice recommended you as a host. Here's what I need to know. Do you know anything about fantasy football? And I said, well, it just so happens, I've been doing fantasy football on the radio at this time, Bob. It was like six or seven years we'd been doing it. And I dropped Bob's name. Little did I know, I had no idea, that the two of them went back like uh, 20 years at that point in time. And so it was just kind of kismet. We felt, oh, you know Bob Harris. Oh, and so, you know, eventually uh, Bob would come and work on my shows during Super Bowl week. And one year uh, when the Super Bowl was in Dallas, uh, we kind of – cornered Steve Cohen, Bob more than I, and said, we're going to have a show on your network. And uh, that's exactly what happened. So it's a, it's a funny uh, kind of path to how we got here. I got it, him down and is. gave him the business. That's how they say that. Got him down and gave yeah. him the business, I believe, is the sports term. I watched, that game, I watched that game live. I think that was a Jet game, if memory serves. <laughs> the, the, the down there giving him the business. Uh, <laughs> But uh, and and it's, somebody and else old enough to get that reference. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm old enough. I'm old enough. So I, um, I, I think that's excellent. And uh, you know, I actually remember Steve Cohen back in the early days. Uh, you know, from the WFAN in New York. I'm a, you know, I grew up in New Jersey, lived in New York. Uh, I actually talked to Steve a couple times back when he had Pro Football News and Injury Report along with uh, Adam Kaplan. And, uh, boy, that, 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 was, that was like printing money in the early days of fantasy football um, with the, uh, the injury reports. You guys, you, I know you remember that, Bob. Um, yeah, I designed their website, so I do remember that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think we covered that the first time I had you on. So, um, yeah. you know, uh, since you've done so many, Mike, uh, before we get into today's topic of the ADP crushers and the different categories and some of the guys each of you like in those categories for this year, um, give us a little bit about your overall best ball strategy, um, things that you look for, and you know, just give us a little bit of a rundown 
on your generic philosophy toward uh, MFL 10s on Fanball? I have found, and I don't recall if it was as specific last year, Todd, but this year my strategy is going to be dictated a lot by my draft position, especially after having done as many drafts as I have, because basically, depending on where I am in round one, I know who's going to be available to me in round two and three most of the time. So, for instance, if I have the fifth pick right now, a lot of people would take Antonio Brown there. I just think the value is so overwhelmingly going to be at wide receiver with the 20th pick in round two that I'm going to go running back at that spot every single time, and I'm going to get an A.J. Green or Devontae Adams or Mike Evans-type guy at 20, and then I'm going to be looking for my second running back in round three. I, I'm not opposed, and neither is Bob, uh, to drafting a high-end tight end. That means Kelsey or Gronk in the first two or three rounds. Uh, I've got a bunch of shares of them. But after that, I, I'm more of a balanced guy. Uh, I find through six rounds a lot, I have three running backs, two receivers, and a tight end. And then in round seven, I'll start to take a peek. Is Brady still hanging out there? Is Deshaun Watson? Sometimes they are. Sometimes they're not. If they're not, I'll wait another couple rounds on quarterback and start filling in depth at those other spots. And then, obviously, you're looking for big values. Once you hit, say, round 12, round 13, you're just taking shots on guys that may pop in your lineup three, four, five times in a year, and that's really all you need out of them. Uh, they're the kind of guys that are going to be capable of having big games, but they're infuriatingly inconsistent, and that kills you in redraft. But in best ball, it's great. You know, Give me Ted Ginn having three or four big games and not having to guess when they're going to happen. Um, you know, I, sometimes I draft two quarterbacks, sometimes I draft three. Same with tight ends. So that, that fluctuates a little bit. It's more as my team develops, I see where it's strong. If I have three really good front-line running backs, maybe I'll only draft a total of five out of 20 selections. Uh, five or six is, is my usual. So that's more it. I, I start with where I'm, my starting point is, what's going to be available to me based on experience, and I go from there. Yep, and I, I love the whole point about playing the board. Um, I'll still take Antonio Brown fifth uh, a lot of times, but I get it. And it's frustrating because running back, because of the success of the running backs overall the last two years, it's much harder to find them late. So I, I definitely see why you're doing that strategy. The other thing that I want to uh, ask Bob about off of what Mike said is it feels like just stealing money to get Tom Brady in the mid to late seventh round. Wouldn't you agree there, Bob? As I'm about to make that very pick here, if things go well in a, in a draft that Mike and I are both in. Um, so if, if you're yeah, in I that think, draft with, uh, with Bob and Mike, take Tom Brady before it gets right. to Bob. Well, the thing is, is drafting with Mike, and you'll see this in many of the answers we give tonight, we tend to – you know, we've talked together so much. A lot of our strategies are similar. Our approaches, we tend to agree on a lot. There's players we disagree on, but <clears throat> for the most part, our approaches tend to be similar. Um, but I do think, and it started for me last year, and it's something that's carried over to this year, uh, I just hit a point in the draft where nobody appeals to me, uh, none of the position players. And, it's you know, this year it tends to be the sixth, seventh, maybe eighth round uh, and I'll go ahead and go quarterback, not necessarily in season long an early drafter of quarterbacks, but you just get to a point where everybody else at the other positions, I just don't feel, I feel like I can get them later, or I feel like I should be able to get them later, or I like guys that are available later, just not at the price I'm at now. <clears throat> and when that happens, not afraid to grab a quarterback this year. It's been more Tom Brady than pretty much anyone else. Last year it was Drew Brees was the guy that was that that I uh, that I 
took that shot with, and even a little earlier than I am this year. So uh, I'm feeling much more comfortable this year. Obviously, the the breeze didn't pan out as well as I liked, uh, but you know, it, it's not a bad idea. I just think you read. I just don't like some of the prices that I'm seeing, and maybe it's because I'm cheap. But you just get there, and there comes a point where the quarterback. Sometimes it's Deshaun Watson, but I think more of it's going to be Brady. Yep. Uh, the old Yogi Berra saying, when you come to a fork in the road, take it. Um, that's how I feel about value in these drafts. You know, uh, again, uh, um, I worked for a boss a long time ago who said uh, strategies are grand, but execution is crucial. And my feeling is that I draft in tiers, and, and you've been at football diehard since as long as I can remember, you guys have always had tier drafting, and I never want to drop a tier for a strategy. So if Brady's sitting there in the seventh round and there's a bunch of guys that I feel like I can get someone just as good a round or two later, I'm 100% on board with you. I am not going to draft, drop a tier. And sometimes uh, with tight ends, I'm not a big one for taking the, the top three guys. Um, I won't go into boring you with the reason right now, uh, but I do a lot of times now I find that if I take a Hunter Henry, who I'm really high on this year in the late sixth round or early seventh, and Kyle Rudolph is sitting there in the eighth, I'll take the second tight end for the same reason, and then I don't have to take a third tight end later because I got two really good ones. So we're going to get into this, um, you know, we've talked about tier drafting and dropping a tier, and um, I, I want to get into our topic, which is looking for players who can crush their ADP. We want good roster construction, and, we, and you need both value and players who have upside. So I define it as, a guy that um, I want to find different tiers of players who can, I feel very comfortable drafting them that without any injuries or anything unusual happening, they can pay off the value, kind of like what Mike described a a, a minute or two ago, uh, where you get those three or four good weeks. But if there is an injury or if you think that the guy in front of them maybe isn't the best player, um, then they have a chance to crush ADP. Mike, what do you think about that general theory about looking for a player who has a reasonable floor, but if he steps into a bigger opportunity, he can really crush it? No, obviously, we all seek that, right, whether it's best ball or anything. I think if you're looking for your your depth on your roster, you want to – uh, go in that direction, and I think there are plenty of candidates out there. I mean, you know, it's funny. It's so many of these guys, so many of the categories we're going to talk about tonight, uh, Todd and Bob. I, I found so, certain players kind of overlapped in multiple categories, and uh, you know, they fit uh, the definition. I think that is what you're looking for as well, uh, guys. That you know, I know we're going to talk about home run hitters, guys that were overlooked because they're coming off a bad year or whatever combination of things, and just guys that whose role, if nothing changes may be much greater than people suspect. Uh, absolutely, you've got to be on the lookout for those players. Absolutely. And for the sake of uh, making it easier for those who might not be as experienced but listen to their best ball show, that's why I broke it into different categories. And let's face it, I've got to write an article about something every week. <laughs> uh, I, I might as well just flesh it out a little bit. So um, the first category we'll give to Bob first, and then we'll go to Mike. 
uh, and that is third down running back and slot wide receivers. Now, when I give the category, I'm going to mention who ended up filling that bill last year and really paid off when they got a bigger opportunity. And then each of you will give us who you're, who you're modeling as possible. And that's a strategy I use a lot. I, I try and model situations of the past and then, in, and then look for people who can fill it this year. The first one, third down running backs and, and slot wide receivers. Last year, Chris Thompson and Cooper Cup were both guys in the 15th, 16th round who uh, fit that mold. Bob, who do you got for us in those categories? Uh, I'll go, you know, I, I think Thomas is a viable pick this year. People are kind of hoping Tariq Cohen turns into that. I'm going to go with Theo Riddick, who is the last of those three going in, in ADP right now. I think he's around the 120 over the last week. And uh, finished in the top 30 last year and is capable, uh, very capable of scoring. And I think his role will, he'll continue to have his same role. Um, on the slot receivers, I, you know, I, I'm not sure he's going to qualify. Maybe he, they move him around a little bit. Randall Cobb is the guy I'm looking at at 102 at current ADP. Uh, you know, basically going to be, look to me like the wide receiver two there. Um, but a guy that's certainly going to capable of, uh, of coming on strong this season. Mike, uh, uh, for me, sure. Uh, so here are a couple of third down running backs, uh, and sometimes I, I, TJ Yeldon's one of them. Uh, a lot of times, if I draft Fournette, I like to handcuff my top guy because, uh, particularly on a team that wants to run the ball more than any team in the National Football League, I think TJ Yeldon's going to have some games that are useful, even when Fournette is healthy because the Jags defense is so good. If they, they won a lot of blowouts last year, there may be opportunities in the second half. And I think Austin Eckler uh, as well yeah. out in Los Angeles, uh, their ADPs, Yeldon's going 217th on average in the last week. Eckler at 181. And Bob knows the combo. I, I like a combo of slot receivers and they're on the same team. That's why they're a combo. Danny Amendola and Albert Wilson at 199 and 208 overall, respectively. I can't tell you, Todd, how many times I've drafted them in back-to-back rounds. They paid Albert Wilson $8 million a year down in Miami. They lost Jarvis Landry and over 100 receptions in the short area of the field. And Danny Amendola is a proven guy in that capacity as well. I don't have to guess which one will be a more valuable. If there's an injury to one, the other one's value goes through the roof potentially. So I like that pair as a combo that you can get dirt cheap. I, I, I like it. I like it a lot. Um, I'm going to throw out a couple names myself. On the running backs, uh, Bilal Powell. Uh, last year he was going in the sixth, seventh round, and the Jets, I think, signed every running back in the National Football League that wasn't already on the team. Uh, but Powell is still the lead guy on third downs, it would seem. I think, you know, I won't go crazy on him. The guy, though, that I'm – starting to take in the 20th round is Darren Sproles. Um, The Eagles Mm -hmm. didn't go out and get another running back during the draft. Um, Last year, they they went with three running backs, and they didn't get a third, but they re-signed Sproles like the day of the draft. So I think that he is a guy who... um, is very intriguing to me as a 20th round pick because he historically has been that guy who can give you those pretty big weeks. And if he is going to be the third down back, I like him a lot. Um, The the guy that I've been kind of on as far as slot guys, and it's risky, but 
Jordan Matthews, health has been his issue, not quality. And now he's in New England, and what have we learned about New England over the years? Those slot guys, those guys who can get open, uh, short area quickness, do very, very well. So those are my guys in that category. Mike, I'm going to let you finish this one up uh, by going through Bob and my thoughts and uh, just kind of summing up uh, that category. Well, I think a, a couple of different approaches here. I think Bob is looking for a little bit more high-end third-down backs, which are fine. Those guys can be your third running back if you draft correctly. I, I think, Todd, what you and I are more focused on are guys who are maybe the last running back that you draft, your fifth or sixth uh, running back, depending on how you structure your team. And I think there's value to be found in both categories here. I, I like the Sproles uh, pick a lot. I mean, but at the same time, Theo Riddick's, you know, is going to have one role, and that is to catch passes for Detroit. And I tell you, with attrition, even with a 20-man roster, when you get into the months of November and December, if any guy on your roster is capable of putting up 10 points, he'll probably pop in your lineup at some point late in the season. And all these guys that we're mentioning, I think, are in that category. Yeah, I, I like the Riddick call, too. Um, uh, you know, it's fearful. With uh, they, There were talks about him possibly being cut. Uh, but even if he gets cut, you would have to think some other team would – Sign him as a third uh, running back. The next category we've got, and uh, we'll go with Bob first here, is overlooked number two wide receivers. Now, last year, this was a very, very fruitful area with guys like Marvin Jones, Devin Funches, and Mohamed Sanu all going under the radar and being drafted very late in draft. Yeah, I, I like Sterling Shepard there. I think with the entire offense, the, all, the entire band back together, the addition of Saquon Barkley, I think Shepard's going to make some hay, uh, assuming everyone stays healthy. Uh, and and Marquise Goodwin looks like a guy, uh, I think, with a little more help from the number one receiver, assuming Pierre Garçon comes back. Uh, I think he's, he's a viable play. But, I mean, some of the guys that are falling into those spots that are dirt cheap, uh, Paul Richardson was paid a hell of a lot of money by the Washington Redskins. I think his ADP is down around 160 or so. And, uh, and the Tyler Lockett, who could maybe move up into that role, uh, is another guy uh, that maybe earns number two. That may be one that comes closer to camp because maybe Jerron Brown uh, from Arizona, who's been every bit as productive as Paul Richardson has been uh, to this point in his career, and more so, uh, maybe he takes that number two spot in Seattle. We'll have to wait and see on that. But I think those are, those are some of the guys that you can look for to have uh, solid years. I love it. That's a great list. Shepard is one of my most owned players so far. Uh, I think people underestimate just, A, how injured the Giants were last year, and, B, the way that Shermer has been able to get the most out of uh, offenses consistently with a lack of talent, and, and there's a lot of talent in New York. Mike, who do you got for us? No, I love this category. I just I am loaded <laughs> up with this type of player. Uh Deshaun Jackson, uh, down in Tampa right now is going on average this week and every bit of ADP I reference is just in the last six days or so, 
11-12. He's the last pick of round 11. So I, I got him in a draft today in the 12th round. Uh, love that. They, I mean, you've got so many mouths to feed, but at the same time that takes away from defensive coordinators giving attention to Deshaun Jackson. So I like him there. Uh, I like a pair of guys in Dallas. Alan Hearns right now is going in the middle of the 13th round. Terrence Williams is going undrafted in most drafts. And they are the most likely starters in Dallas as of today. I know buddy, everybody's excited about Michael Gallup coming in, and that may in fact work out, but the price you're paying on Hearns and Williams is ridiculous. You could have arguably the number one receiver for an NFL team in the middle of the 13th round or later. Uh, I like a pair of guys in Indianapolis. Uh, Chester Rogers and Ryan Grant are going undrafted in a lot of leagues. Grant is a 235th overall player coming off the board. Rogers is 242. Now, one of these guys is probably going to be useless this year, but at the cost of your 20th round pick, uh, who cares? You know, I mean, you're, you're throwing flyers out there, but probably my most owned player, Bob knows this, we've talked about him a ton, is Dante Moncrief. And it just, I chuckle every time I see uh, Dede Westbrook, Keelan Cole come off the board before him. Marquise Lee comes off the board many rounds before him. And I get that. He's likely the Jags' leading receiver. But Moncrief is a locked-in starting receiver, and he's being drafted behind guys who may end up being the fourth and fifth options in Jacksonville with D.J. Chart coming in. So Moncrief right now, uh, his ADP puts him in the late 17th round. If I see him in round 15, I'm not taking any chances. I take him because he's about the last guy that I really feel comfortable has a strong chance to be a team's number one wide receiver, albeit a team that's not going to be great passing the football necessarily, but as your sixth wide receiver on your roster, again, I just the value to me is incredible. Incredible. Um, I, you know, I've avoided almost all the Jags just because there's just so many of them, and I laugh with. I like Dee Westbrook. I like um, what's Keelan Cole. They, 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 you know, in, in a vacuum. But there's a lot of them, and the only wide receiver that I've been drafting, and again, because he has been falling so late, has been Dante Moncrief. I'm going to throw out two more names, guys. Uh, the first one, I, I mean, I loved a lot early. I'm still taking shares of, and that's Corey Coleman. Guy's got all the talent in the world. Tyrod Taylor, we, sh- we showed with Sammy Watkins a couple years ago that he throws a very good deep ball. And with the the talent that they've got around Coleman right now, he's going to see a lot of single coverage. If you want those game-breaking, home-run-hitting types, late, uh, you know, as a sixth, seventh wide receiver, I mean, he's a starter, former first-round pick who had injuries his first two years. Yeah, he might be a bust, but uh, he's shown enough so far to me that I, I, I want about 20% of him. Uh, in the 15th, 16th round. And the other guy who I've been drafting with both hands is Mike Wallace. Um, Torrey Smith, just not a very good player, has never been a very good player. And Mike Wallace, to me, in the 15th, 16th round, seems like stealing. Uh, Bob, uh, why don't you wrap up this one? I'm a Mike Wallace guy, so that goes with me. I'm kind of interested to see what goes on with Matt Collins. The Eagles seem to have... uh, you know, they have a thing for him. He's still around. Uh, so, but I do think Wallace is a great play. And some of the guys, I, I mean, some of these guys I think are that I'm going to list, I'm going to save for the rebounds because I think some of them are rebounds. Uh, but I like when you find what's potentially a number one receiver in the 18th, 19th, 20th round. And I think Moncrief is one of the guys that fits that bill. 
Awesome. All right, our next category, we're going to go to Mike, and it's role running backs. Uh, and by role running backs, I mean guys who should have some role, right? And they can pay off their ADP, and they're, they're, they're being drafted late because there's a, a, a bunch of guys there. And um, the guy that I had the most of last year in this category was Rex Burkhead. Mike, do you, did you find anyone for us in this category? <laughs> I got guys for you in every category, Todd. I, and I'm sure I'll steal some of Bob's guys I, I here as well. Guys co- I love when guys come to the pod loaded for bear. Uh, we'll start uh, in the earliest you have to take these guys. Well, Garrett Blunt, uh, 161st overall. Look, I understand they traded up, drafted a running back and carry in Johnson in round two. There are a lot of guys there, but nobody profiles better as the short yardage back than LeGarrette Blunt. And uh, they throw the ball a ton inside the five. So uh, maybe if they don't change their philosophy, you're not going to get paid off big here. But the price is pretty reasonable. You can get him in the 14th round in a lot of drafts. I have him as a fourth or fifth running back, depending on how my team is structured. Uh, Jeremy Hill, I was drafted a little bit more early before Sony Michelle got there, uh, going 219 on average right now. The combination in the Baltimore backfield of Kenneth Dixon and Buck Allen, uh, 196 and 204. Allen is a great pass catcher on third down uh, to get him that late. And Dixon, I'm a big guy on Alex Collins this year, but you can get Dixon as a handcuff if you want or just as a flyer if you don't. Uh, very cheap. And then uh, one more is Justin. Jackson, who right now is going undrafted in most leagues, the rookie, uh, who may be the, the backup behind Melvin Gordon. <laughs> I, you can't hold him back, Todd. You got to let all the. You, we're here to I, give folks the info, I, man. Know, I, I'm I'm not drafting him in in too many MFL tens because there are so many other choices, and there were some great ones there. Last year was my first year watching tape. Uh, I did pretty good. I watch tape this year, and I see a lot of running backs who seem okay, who went a lot earlier than Justin Jackson. He's getting a bad rap because he's 193 um, pounds, but when I watch him, I see someone special. Uh, His ability to make people miss, you know, and for a guy who doesn't weigh, uh, weigh a lot, he seemed to move the pile just fine, had a nose for the end zone, we all know Melvin Gordon isn't the most efficient guy. Boy, I've got a little bit of a man crush on Justin Jackson. Um, Bob, over to you. Uh, yeah, our friend Matt Waldman also likes uh, him quite a bit and, uh, from the rookie scouting portfolio, and uh, and I tend to follow that, and it is a good play. Uh, Dempsey took almost everybody who was good here <laughs> in this category, except he did leave me uh, maybe one or two, or maybe one for sure, uh, Peyton Barber. Uh, at 180 uh, current ADP over the last week. Ronald Jones is going to come in there and be a big playmaking threat, uh, but I'll be surprised if Peyton Barber doesn't get his pair of shots at the end zone or near the end zone, and you know maybe a little bit more. Uh, we'll, we'll find out, but I think at that price it's reasonable. I also had Hill on my list, I think, and Blunt both. I think they're both great plays as well. Hill less so. Uh, after the draft, but still, you know, if you're throwing a last-round pick, we know how the Patriots like he's a goal-line guy. I will say Blunt has not been that great at the goal line over the course of time, but he still scores a hell of a lot because when he, you know, gets a little head of steam going, it, he can get it in from a little further out. So I like that pick, too. I I, I actually still got two. Um, you mentioned uh, a lot of guys well, I liked. I, I liked Hill. I left Chris Ivory off, though. I, I left Chris Ivory off, though. At some point, if something were to happen to 
with Sean McCoy, Ivory might be a guy, and maybe even if something doesn't happen, he can take the Mike Tolbert carries away. Absolutely. Uh, but I still got two. Uh, one is Spencer Ware. And injury, again, is the, the wild card here. If, if we knew he was coming back, he'd be a 10th-round pick. And what did we learn last year? You know, my big takeaway from last year, and I, I tend to do things in sayings, my big saying is when, when, when teams show you what they think about a player, believe them. As much as I loved Hunt last year, on third down, he wasn't playing. They had Sharkhandrick West, and when West got hurt, they had Akeem Hunt. Uh, Spencer Ware is a guy who might not play because he's injured, but again, you're going to take him in like, what, 20% of your lineups as a fifth or sixth running back, but he's a guy who has the talent to actually beat out Hunt and at the very least, be that one-third back to Hunt's two-third, and then if Hunt goes down, he's a guy who could crush it in a starting role in a great offense. And the, and the last guy I've got is old man Frank Gore. Brought in, he's in Miami, it's not a great offense. Uh, you got Drake going in the third round. I got Gore recently a couple times in the 20th round. He was going in the 13th, 14th, 15th round. The draft came and went and they didn't really add anything too much. I think they got a guy in the fourth round, and now Gore you can get in the 19th and 20th round. Um, Josh Hersmeyer did a little thing on Twitter with game speed. Last year, game speed, uh, I forget who he compared him to, but some rookie running back, Gore, Gore was faster than in actual running with the football. So old man Gore, Spencer Ware, my two, Mike, Wrap, wrap, wrap this one up for us. Yeah, I'd like to because th- those two guys particularly, I've got my shares of Gore, um, and I, I find myself drafting him more. In fact, I'm looking at Bob and I did a draft on SiriusXM the day after the NFL draft concluded. It was a live best ball draft, and I took Gore in the 19th round. Where went one pick after that? I'm more concerned about him not even – playing or not being ready anywhere near the beginning of the season. Uh, you don't hear too many glowing medical reports about him. I don't think that he's any threat to Kareem Hunt's job, even at 100%. And uh, understanding that he was set to maybe be the starter early on, but when you lead the league in rushing as a rookie, I think Kareem Hunt is, is locked in as the lead guy. But uh, in terms of a value, uh, I'm not going to argue with you at all. I, I have plenty of late-round flyers on both of those guys, so I like them both. And, and as Bob said, everybody Bob mentioned, no surprise to me, we, uh, we share a group mind uh, because we communicate on these guys so much. So uh, good selections, good category overall. Yep. All right, our next one. Um, and I forget, who did, I think I went to Bob first last time, right? No, you went to uh, I think you went to me first last guys. time. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we'll go, we'll go to Bob. I already named one in Corey Coleman, but home run hitter types. Last year, Will Fuller, Kenny Stills, 13th, 15th round. Um, guys who can, you know, get behind the defense and get you those three or four big weeks. Uh, Mike mentioned it early in his strategy session about how uh, the difference between redraft and best ball, you do want these high-variance wide receivers where in redraft you might never want those guys because they just you just never know when to start them. But in best ball, they can be gold. Bob, let's get your list. Right, and you know, we've 
touched on some of these, and some of these might, you know, like, uh, I mean, uh, Mike Wallace, who you mentioned, I think he's one of those guys. Austin Eckler, who Mike mentioned, is one of those guys uh, at running back. Uh, but I think the ones that, that I have my eye on, uh, Kenny Galladay at 149, the obvious one. He's also maybe a post-hype candidate as well. We're going to talk about that category. Um, and Josh Dotson at 133 overall, a wide receiver one, and with you know who is a big play threat, maybe a changing quarterback can do him a little good. Um, I'd be looking at those guys like that. All right, Mike. All right, for me, I, I think. What, by the way, we should call this the Ted Ginn category officially. Yeah, it is now known as the Ted Ginn category. Right, and, and and Ted Ginn is still a leading contender in this yeah. category. He goes in the middle of the twelfth round, and with Drew Brees throwing the ball with all the weapons, he's going to hit some big games for you. You know that's going to happen. I think Keelan Cole and Jacksonville is in the same category. We talked about you know preferring Moncrief because you can get him later, but Cole in the fifteenth round, uh, they love his talent. It's just that they paid Moncrief to come in and be the starter this year. Cole, long-term, I think has a lot of potential. Uh, he has some potential short-term. I think Mike Wallace fits in this category for me, Todd. Uh, again, his ADP of the last week, 16-10. So, you know, practically a 17th rounder. And, and let's not forget Chris Hogan, even though a little bit more pricey up there yeah. in New England. Right? He's going to – particularly, I find myself – you know, if I draft Gronk and I get lucky and hit Brady in round seven, if I can get Hogan in round nine as my third or fourth receiver, again, depending on how many running backs and tight ends I've drafted, uh, I've got that trio uh, on more than a few teams as well. So uh, I like that. I, You know, when Brady falls to me in the mid to late seventh, I, I like stacking in best ball when it makes sense. So if I get Brady in the seventh, I love, love adding Hogan in the ninth. Uh, I got a couple names. Uh, one, I think it was Bob mentioned early on, but if, if it was you, Mike, I apologize, in Tyler Lockett. Um, the guy who, if you didn't name this category after Ted Ginn, you might call it the John Brown category. Um, he is that guy who, um, you know, has that profile. Uh, but the guy in the early to mid-rounds who everyone is scared of because of his off-field problems, but, boy, does he fit this category in the 10th round? Robbie Anderson. Um, yeah. He, you know, what a talent. And then I've got a name that's a little bit off the board. Again, I watched some tape, and he ended up in the perfect spot. Uh, James Washington going to the Steelers. He's going to be the number three guy probably. But the Steelers like taking those deep shots. Washington has a great ability to both separate and you know, he's a big guy. He looks like Anquan Bolden to me, but he plays like Ted Ginn a little bit. Um, uh, James Washington is that guy who I think can give you three or four big weeks, but if Antonio Brown or Juju go down, I think that, um, boy, he could he could win you some leagues. Bob, wrap this one up for us. Yeah, I, you know, John Brown is a guy that I, you know, I tried to fit into a couple of these categories and kind of left them, you know, kind of fell out. But, I mean, I think you mentioned it. The speed is high end. Just got to stay on the field. He claims he's healthy. We've heard that claim before. And I'm also a little bit – the offense to me is a little suspect in general at this point. Uh, but, but all the guys that we're looking at, I mean, this is the essence of best ball, finding these guys. And we left Kenny Stills off. I mean, I think some of these guys have become obvious. And, and, but a guy like Galladay who's going to come in in the red zone situation. Those are the guys we're looking for. And don't overlook Ricky Seals-Jones as a possible candidate for one of those, a guy you can get pretty late as well this year. 
I like Seals Jones. All right, uh, we're going to head to our last category and uh, go to Mike with rookies who are not expected to start year one, should have a role, and uh, I, I will call this the Jordan Howard from two years ago. Uh, you know, the guy who was behind a guy who wasn't that great, who ended up being a super player. All right, for me, uh, look, I will draft the heck out of rookie running backs anyway. I draft them in redraft. It's a position that if you ha- if you've watched these guys in college, like you said, Todd, you, you got a feeling for who can play and who can't play. And if you trust yourself, I've won plenty of redraft leagues on the backs of rookie running backs. So that out of the way, there's the obvious bunch of running backs that look like they may be poised to start this year. Uh, Bob and I, in every draft we're in, are going to battle over Naheem Hines in Indianapolis. Just the way it's going to go. And again, in the draft that we referenced on Sirius the day after the draft, I got him in the 15th round Marlon Mack went in round seven I, I just I, I think it's a coin flip but with between which one will outpoint the other never mind who's going to be the more valuable I got him eight rounds later I'm pretty confident I'd I'd love a valuable ball. player right and the other guy that Indy drafted wasn't even in the queue you couldn't even they didn't even have him on MFL 10s the day after the draft <laughs> Jordan Wilkins is now the yep. big back in Indy, right? So you can find him now. Uh, if you're getting into the running back queue, just type in W-I-L-K, and it'll come right to the top. And, you know, I'm not interested in many rookie wide receivers. I have a, a, a share here or there of Ridley and Christian Kirk. Maybe Michael Gallup, because of the depth chart, is the most interesting one. But I think he's suffering from a little bit of overhype as well. And we mentioned Justin Jackson in an earlier category. I, I like him here as a potential home run hitter, it fits in this category as well. Love the Heinz uh, call for exactly the reasons you said. Bob, let's let's go to you. Yeah, Mike pretty much took all my – I'm a little a little higher on Gallup, just given the ADP right now, you know, 12th round or a little, last, a little earlier. Um, but just, you know, the number of targets that are that have suddenly come open and the guys that are left on hand, uh, you, know, no, you know, Hearns is going to be a great player but isn't always – Terrence Williams is a great downfield blocker who will score some touchdowns, but I don't know if they have a guy who can eat up all those targets. Um, I kind of like Christian Kirk a little bit too. We'll see how that that might be something I watch, but I will have a few shares of him just because of the nature of Arizona's receiving core. It looks like there's going to be some targets available there as well. And uh, I guess I'll go ahead and throw the Mike Gusecki dart because at some point Adam Gaze is going to find his next Julius Thomas. Yeah, I, I, you guys nailed all my choices, and, and Gusecki was the last one on my list. Um, all right, so those are the finding a comfortable floor with upside guys. They tend to be later in drafts. Um, the, 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 the next category is talented players coming off bad, bad years. Last year, Todd Gurley had the first ever 30% win percentage in MFL 10s. DeAndre Hopkins was a 20% guy. They fit that role uh, last year. Uh, Bob, who do you got for this year? Talented players coming off last year. And I think we're all going to have the same guys, but I want to know why, you know, it's not just that they were talented coming off. You know, it's not just that they're coming off bad years. If you're listening, don't think that. And I know it'll be easy to think that, but it has to be talented guys coming off bad years. Bob, go ahead. Well, I mean, I'm going to throw out the uh, throw dismiss the obvious Odell Beckham. Dalvin Cook uh, to me is obvious, uh, and I think even Julian Edelman's pretty obvious, although still an amazing value to me. 
you know, getting him into – he's been climbing a little bit. I think we're out in the fifth round right now. But uh, looking beyond that, you know, Pierre Garçon's a guy who missed a lot of time with injury. They have a quarterback now in San Francisco, I'm told. Very handsome man named Jimmy Garoppolo, <laughs> and I think Garçon will fare well. Um, Tyler Eifert's a guy I'm not afraid to draft. I think, you know, if he's on the field, he's going to be productive as hell at the point he's going in drafts right now. I mean, it's crazy late, and I'll go ahead and take that shot on him. Uh, and and Jordan Reed, the same for that matter to me. I mean, I don't know if you call it a bounce back or just hope he flatlines or whatever, just plays as many games as last year. But the one guy who I think for me is I'm drafting the most of this guy coming off injury is Quincy Anunwa as the last wide receiver. 20th round, 19th round uh, in there. I'm fine with him. Uh, whether he's playing with Josh McCown last year, he's pretty effective. I mean, he, he, he can be very effective, maybe the wide receiver one there in terms of targets. I know Robbie Anderson's a big play threat. I like him an awful lot. He could have the issues of missing some time. I still like him. There are so many guys in this category, uh, you know, and even the higher-end guys that I'm ignoring. Joe Mixon, I think, is in line for a good rebound or, or a much better year just because of the improved offensive line. But I want to save some for Dempsey and you. All right. Uh, That's a great segue for Mike. All right. Uh, Well, for me, uh, with the exception of the tight ends, I try to stay away from players that had down years because of injury. Because I do think people go hunting for those guys. Hey, let's remember Odo Beckham or whatever. You know, the guy, when you look, if you're just looking at last year's stats, they're not going to show up near the top. But, uh, you know, Bob and I started last year handcuffing Jordan Reed with Vernon Davis as you know Jordan Reed at the time we're taking him very high and we get Davis's cheap insurance and keeping in mind Vernon Davis played with Alex Smith for years in San Francisco I think that's a viable strategy again but this time instead of your one and three it's your two and three tight ends you get a good tight end early you take Reed as your backup with high upside and you take Vernon Davis and I think you're you have a really good uh, core same thing with Eifert and Tyler Croft you can get those guys pretty cheap but the the players just who didn't perform well last year who have shown the talent in the past to me that list is led by Amari Cooper and uh, you know last mm-hmm. year you you're looking at Cooper as an early second round uh, type guy and you can get him in the fourth round this year. And the Raiders have already said, look, the pass offense is going to run through Amari Cooper. I think their entire offense is going to run through Amari Cooper. I did not like his value last year because I liked Crabtree equally, and you could get him rounds later. This year I'm drafting the heck out of Amari Cooper. He's almost automatic if I see him in round four. Uh, Also, uh, Isaiah Crowell. It was just a year Mm -hmm. prior. He was over 900 yards with seven touchdowns with 40 receptions. Now, granted, Bilal Powell's going to eat up a lot of catches, but Duke Johnson was going to do that in Cleveland. He's the front guy at that committee, if it is a committee, in New York. So I think he's going to get a lot of touches. And I know people hate on this guy all the time. But, Bob, tell me who, other than Kelvin Benjamin, is slated to catch many balls in that wide receiver core in Buffalo they got to throw to somebody. He's the receiver there that I'm aware of, right? Right. I mean, look, Zay Jones, fine. He's, he's a starter. Somebody's got to start. But Kelvin Benjamin at least has shown he's capable of being a double-digit touchdown guy in the past. You can get him in the 10th round. I draft him primarily as a fourth receiver. And so, like all those guys, and I think a guy – I'm going to save one other guy that I think could fit in this category, but I think is more apt for the next one we're going to talk about. All right. So, I'm going to throw out – the whole Bengal team, but especially A.J. Green. You're talking about a guy who was going 1-6 last year. Mike, you mentioned that you could, you know, get him at the mid to end of the second round. Um, 
I think we all know that the problem with the Bengals last year was the offensive line. They went out and signed, uh, traded for Cordy Glenn from the Bills, and then they used their first-round selection on an offensive lineman. Andy Dalton does not play well under pressure. I'm drafting a good bit of Dalton. You know, if I get Brady as my first quarterback or Newton, I, I think Dalton is going one or two rounds after you know, the the main body of uh, of quarterbacks. And uh, Mixon's moving up lately. But I, I think that that offensive line being uh, better enables that whole team to do better. And I think that that is my number one situation. Mike Evans fits the bill. Love the Cooper call. And one last name I'll throw out there. He is an injury guy. Uh, Allen Robinson was a guy just like Cooper who, you know, last year was going in the early second round. Um, no, wait, it was the year before that maybe. But, you know, he had a bad year and then he had an injured year, but now he ends up as a true number one in an offense that I think is going to improve with, um, you know, kind of the the Ram effect where you had a really conservative coach leave and a much more offensive-minded guy coming in. Mike, wrap us up on that one. Uh, yeah, look, uh, all these I don't think we're throwing any bad names out there. Uh, I'm a little hesitant just because we haven't seen enough of Trubisky. I mean, look, they put good weapons around him. I'm a little hesitant on Allen Robinson, and um, I, I don't think that knee was just a clean ACL. We'll leave it at that, but uh, we'll see. If he's healthy and 100%, he was primed for a big year last year, I think. Uh, so I like all these names uh, that were given out here. I'm glad you included A.J. Green and Mike Evans because value can be one round. When you're talking about getting a guy in the mid-second who last year was going as a mid-first rounder, and one other guy I think that fits that and uh, that this conversation made me think about, if Andrew Luck's healthy, T.Y. Hilton in the late third round, you can get him yeah, a there lot there. Uh, this is a guy who would be, uh, who in many leagues last year was a high second-round pick, end-of-the-first-round guy, until it became clear that Luck wasn't going to be ready, and then he fell like a stone. Right now, people are trying to guess, will he or won't he? If he does play, Hilton's going to be a value. If he doesn't, he's going to be overdrafted. Absolutely. Last category, we're going to... We're going to do it more as a bonus round, kind of trying – well, we got time. We'll, we'll finish it up. And this is post-type opportunities. Last year um, I wrote an article for Football Diehards where one of the defenses I picked was the Jaguars. I said everyone loved them. They were kind of a hot choice the year before, and it didn't happen. And um, I think that that's a, a nice thing to model is – when you've got a lot of hype about a young player and it doesn't happen the first year, people tend to forget about them. And then the, the, the following year, everything you liked about them could be in play and maybe more. Uh, Mike, we're going to go to you. All right. First, just because you're on defense right here, uh, I, I, I don't know if these guys fit this category, but I, I like Baltimore last year. I still like them this year. You can get them cheap. People draft – straight ADP on defenses. I find that. And the L.A. Chargers being about the sixth defense mm. off the board to Love. me is crazy. Should be Jacksonville and the two L.A. teams at the top yep. in terms of playmaking disruptive defenses. But, all right, the post-hype opportunity, guys. Last year, Bob, at the FSTA draft in the summer, I believe it was Chris Liss took Jay Ajayi 10th overall or thereabouts. Okay? That was hype on Jay Ajayi. Now he goes to Philly. 
Nobody cares, right? He's a late fourth rounder, and I think you get out of that range where you, you're picking obvious starting running backs in the mid-third round, like Jordan Howard may be the last guy. Then you get into the Derrick Henry, Kenyon Drake kind of level, and I think Jay Ajayi, it, it, you can even see him slipping into the middle of the fifth round on a lot of occasions. I think he can be an incredible value uh, for you this year. Uh, Devontae Parker, is this the year that the production out – exceeds the hype uh perhaps right now a late eighth rounder uh i pulled the trigger on him he's not a target of mine necessarily but i pulled the trigger on him a few times as a third wide receiver and martavis bryant last i mean martavis bryant guys Love was it. getting drafted in the fifth or sixth round in a lot of drafts last year uh we thought particularly the closer to the season because he looks so explosive in the preseason right now late in the 11th round granted he's likely the third receiver in oakland but this guy fits in the the home run hitter category as well as the post hype category uh for me 127th overall right now i've got my shares of martavis bryant i love uh, it. i i way more interested in him now that he is in uh away from pittsburgh and i think people underestimate how hard it was for a guy as raw as bryant to miss a full year and then come in at the last minute uh bob go ahead yeah, I think uh, Parker and Bryant were on my list as well. Uh, Josh Gordon could fit on that list, uh, he, but he's way post the real hype. Um, but I'm going to go with guys like, I mean, if we're looking at wide receivers, I don't know anyone who was more hype last year than Terrell Pryor. Uh, you can get him now for a nickel or maybe seven one. cents. Um, and, and I think he fits that bill. And another guy that I don't know if it's post hype or with a contract last year, but Devon Freeman's dripping, dipping down a little bit. And, and you know, down, you know, outside the top group of running backs, the top tier. And uh, I think you might get a pretty good deal on him right now. I, I find him to be attractive at a certain point. Uh, I, I think uh, absolutely he's worth some shots late. Uh, I'm going to go to the quarterback position for mine, and I'm going to go to Marcus Mariota. Um, him, Winston, and Carr were all going in that seventh, eighth round last year and I was avoiding them for the most part maybe in the ninth a little bit I would take Carr um but Mariota especially um they've added more weapons and again you see a very conservative coach leave that is a very big positive for Mr. Mariota in my mind uh Bob wrap us up and uh, then we'll uh, say goodbye I love all these guys, and I would say, you know, something you mentioned, uh, you know, we mentioned about the bounce-back players and, the, you know, looking at the uh, the changing offenses uh, for some of these teams, uh, you know, the coaching staff changes. The Chicago Bears are going to be a team maybe we're interested in a little deeper. Trey Burton, a guy that should be probably on your radar if he's going to play that Travis Kelsey role uh, in Chicago under Matt Nagy, who comes from Kansas City. Uh, if you're wondering and or worried a little bit about maybe Saquon Barkley not getting quite the number of touches you thought, look at Dalvin Cook early last year when Pat Shermer was calling the plays there in Minnesota and rest assured that, that Barkley will get his turns. Final thoughts, Mike, and tell people how they can find you on Twitter. 
Sure. Uh, well, first of all, this is the longest I've spoken about any subject this all season without saying the name Jarek McKinnon. I apologize, Jarek. I love you. <laughs> you are going to make us look really smart this year. I'm telling you, folks, get him anywhere in the third round right now. Catch up while the catching's good because uh, his ADP is going to end up in round two. Uh, and uh, you could get him for even less than that uh, a little while ago. But uh, he was a big uh, post-draft winner, as was Alex Collins. Look, bottom line, no matter how bad you think a player is, if the opportunity is there, Bob describes himself as an opportunity, Nick. He's absolutely right. There's opportunity to score fantasy points on every NFL team out there. You may think that guy's a terrible NFL player. What is he doing? He doesn't deserve to be starting. It doesn't matter. If the ball's coming his way, he's going to score you fantasy points. And in best ball, uh, you're just rife with that kind of guy. So take big shots. Don't be safe. Balance your receivers between steady eddies and big play guys. And, uh, you know, just play as many uh, MFL 10s as you possibly can. Uh, Todd, thank you for having us on. You can catch me on Twitter at MD underscore 1010XL. That is my terrestrial radio station in Jacksonville, Florida, where I cover the Jags. And, of course, Bob and I right now, Saturday night, 7 to 10, on Football Diehards on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio. That's 210 on Sirius, 87 on XM. Uh, In July, we go back to our five days a week, Monday through Friday routine, and you'll be sick of us in short order once again. No, never. Well, I'm Todd, Todd from PA, at Todd from PA on Twitter. I uh, was very fortunate to have these two gents on talking some best ball. Um, go to fan ball, play fan ball. Uh, more, more states, if you weren't allowed to play last year you're, and, and you're in a state that allows fantasy. Uh, also some big news today on the gambling that we didn't get a chance to cover. But I want to thank my guests, at uh, Bob uh, Harris, at Football Diehards, and Mike just gave you how you can find him. That's going to do it for us tonight, folks. Thank you very much for joining us, and I will see you next week.